Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Voice 27 of 1000 Voices, where we are on a mission to interview 1000 inspirational Blackburns. Our guest in this episode of 1000 Voices is Adrian Daniels. And like us over here, Adrian is a podcaster. Adrian is the founder of the Sound of Accra podcast, where they interview Ghanaian creators and entrepreneurs. Podcasting has opened a number of doors for Adrian. And moving forward, him and the team at the Sound of Accra have big, big dreams and a vision for where they want to take the podcast. So stay tuned to hear an inspirational story of how Adrian has gone from a shy younger boy to hosting his own networking events, starting his podcast and to developing his public speaking career. But that's that for now. And without further ado, this is 1000 Voices. And here we have Adrian Daniels. Yeah. Anyway, so thank you for coming to the podcast. Oh, very much appreciated. Been looking forward to having you on board. And yeah, and thank you for coming on, coming on, you know, sharing your story with our people. Looking forward to speaking with you some more. Ah, like, likewise. Likewise. <laughs> Just to start off with, uh, do you mind? Yeah, actually, you know, I always like to start off chronologically talking about, you know, background and everything like that. So just looking at your background, your upbringing, can you talk about, paint a picture as to what your upbringing looked like and also how that has influenced the person that you are today? Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, my upbringing, I wouldn't say is anything out of the normal, out, out of the norm, you know, grew up with both parents, you know, born and raised in London. Um, so I had a really good childhood, really enjoyed it. Um, but I think in terms of um, my life kind of changing a bit, I think really when it, it really comes down to after um, my first year of secondary school in London, um, my whole family wanted to relocate to Ghana. Um, so there I am in 11, you know, I've, I've finished year seven and, you know, uh, you know, the family's plan to go to Ghana. So um, initially it was me, my two brothers and my father already had taken a lead in 1999, I believe, to go off and, you know, build his house and and then set up and then go and start his law career. Um, so basically, um, 2001, I believe, um, we kind of, me and my brothers joined him in, in Ghana and, um, yeah, we got enrolled in school and, and everything. And the first time I came to Ghana, um, look, people really rave about, you know, Christmas being, Christmas time in Ghana, like being, you know, a, a huge, exciting festival and all that kind of stuff. But even back then, like Ghana was still really, really popping. It was really exciting back then. So I remember I went on holiday in I think year 2000, Christmas time. And then I was looking forward to living when I, when I was moving the year after. Um, but once I moved, when I relocated to Ghana, I just realized that it just wasn't the same as, you know, going to the, going on holiday, but after a while, uh, you know, I settled in after I had this culture shock, you know, of going to school and, you know, going to school there and different accents, different cultures, different, you know, um, customs out there. It, it was a culture shock from a London kid, you know, coming over there to, you know, with all with his slang and, you know, the culture that I was already used to. It was clashing with the one over there, you know. So going from, you know, be, being very spoilt to, you know, receiving canes in my hands and, you know, um, um, you know, having having people trying to invite themselves to my lunch and stuff like that. I didn't go to a proper, pro I didn't go like to a super international school, like Ghana International School or anything like that. Um, Morningstar School in Canton, it's just down the road from Oxford Street in Accra or Sioux. Um, but yeah, um, essentially my, my upbringing, so relocated to Ghana, um, was lived there for, for three years, uh, went to school and all of that kind of stuff. And I moved back in, in when, I, when I hit 14. I didn't want to go to secondary school. The thought of being bullied by seniors at a, 
at a boarding school just you know just gave me nightmares so I wanted to run away back to the UK I felt like I was missing out I really came back to the UK in 2004 and then I just just continued on um, but yeah man um, fast forward um, over the years I've been going back and forth to, to Ghana and stuff like that and um, in terms of like my career and what I've been doing um, I've, I've been you know first I had an initial interest in music and radio so I started off wanting to be a music producer I took music technology and business management at university um, you know I won a few awards like I won songwriter of the year in Hertfordshire when I was 18 um, I you know um, won music technology awards at school and things like that and then also um, I, when I even got to university, I did um, do radio over there. I did radio, had my own radio show, had my own podcast even back then. Um, but then things changed. I think when I kind of like, when I kind of like had encounter with God, things changed and I took a step back from music and radio and I just kind of focused on finishing my degree. And then when I finished, I just, you know, got out, got myself a job. And then if you fast forward, I've spent over 10 years in, you know, tech industry, you know, just working in different types of roles. And yeah, um, here I am today, man. I'm just trying to you know, fly the flag for um, African entrepreneurship and the creators and, and all of the above. That's great. Thank you for setting that scene for us. And when you went to Ghana, so you mentioned you finished year seven, you've gone to Ghana, stayed there for three years. And you mentioned, obviously, it's, it's going to be a culture shock if you're from London and and all of that and you've moved over to Ghana it's, it's a massive culture shock isn't it and um in Osu so Oxford Street sites in Accra I'm guessing the family language was tree then yeah I mean it was it I mean the, this is the thing about my parents right this one thing I wish they did I wish they spoke tree around me because I would have been fluent but I picked up bits of tree here and there but everyone really spoke English whether it was at school whether it was at home we we all kind of spoke English did that affect you in any way going back to Ghana and not being fluent in tree? I, I mean, sometimes I was kind of laughed at when I, when my tree, um, when my when the accent wasn't really right and some of the pronunciations and some of the words and the grammar, you know, wasn't up to scratch. I was was laughed at a little bit. They didn't really mock me too much because I think over the years I, I built tough skin and you know at first I was I used to be someone very very shy. That's not a thing about my upbringing. I used to be very shy, very much very much of an introvert. And I think you know towards the latter years of maybe university and beyond, that's when I started to you know build a, a tough you know a tough skin you know especially working in you know in sales B two B sales B two C sales the business development etc. I started to build tough skin and um, I remember even at school in Ghana like <laughs> oh man I was so shy to even you know leave home leave school and go home because there was one day where. We were told to kind of well at least i thought we were told to wear um you know no no school uniform so i went into school one day and um basically everybody was wearing school uniform and i was the only one not wearing school uniform and not only was i not wearing school uniform our my fashion sense was horrible back then so i was wearing these american captain american shorts i had a green t-shirt and I had these sandals everyone was laughing at me because uh, for one what i was wearing and two i wasn't even uniform everybody else was uniform but anyway that person got me in trouble um but yeah like i was so shy to even leave the classroom i stayed in the classroom the whole day i needed to go to the toilet I held it in um but yeah i've definitely you know changed a lot from going from shy to being more more confident and uh yeah 
we've um so you, you you spent some time in ghana as a child not being able to speak the language very fluently anyways uh and you know going through some experiences here and there in school and with the shyness and everything like that and some years later it seems as if you enjoy going back to ghana you've been going back you started up your networking events up in ghana as well what did you like did you have like a, a love for the country like for ghana or something what what happened why was it that you now decided okay I've, even though i've gone through what i've gone through even though i might not be fluent i, I want to be going back i enjoy going back and now i'm going to start these networking events there that's a very good question tevin so for me like when i came to ghana when i was leaving ghana like i always knew that i'll be back to do something i'll be you know i'll be back and some form shape um when i also when i was living there the first time like my dad always used to talk about how he loved Ghana and how he wants to, like, he, he's the kind of guy that he'll never leave Ghana. Like, he, he can go anywhere he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And he's, he's, he's done so well for himself, but he just wants to be in Ghana. And um, I remember sometimes, like, he will be driving in a car and he'll tell me, like, Adrian, look, um, when you get older, once you've kind of, like, got your got, got yourself together, whatever, or your career, whatever, like, come back and help to develop our country. You know, the Western world is good. Let's use the resources and the knowledge and the education. He's a firm believer in education and, you know, quite taking advantage of the opportunities that the West give you, gives you and bringing it to West Africa and using it to develop the country. If you go into a study in, 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 his, in the house, in, in, in family house, like you'll see like so many books, Kwame and Kurma, um, the list goes on. Like he, he reads like there's no tomorrow. Um, honestly, like he inspires me so much. So yeah, it came from that, from, um, that's, that's one point. And also I think when I, when I was leaving Ghana to, to go back to live in the UK, that's when I started to realize how much I appreciate it appreciate it was quite funny just that i remember that last day at school like when people were upset that i was leaving that's when i realized that okay you know what i actually appreciate i actually understand everything now that i'm leaving before i didn't understand before i didn't get it but now i really appreciated it like so my eyes were starting to open but the, and then the more and what happened was also is that um my my uh my mother kind of joined my dad you know in the, in the late 2010s before they weren't really um before basically there was long story short um my mother eventually my mother was supposed to live together with my dad but eventually she joined him in the 2010s so that also encouraged me to want to go more to, to see them more but and, and every time i'll come out to ghana like i'll i'll just my eyes will be opened and i'll see new things happen i'll see this these things happen one of my cousins as well he would tell me like adrian he moved also to, to ghana in 2010 and then he's seen, he saw the potential in the future. And I remember having a conversation with him in 2016 and 2017. He's like, Agent, look, you try and move to Ghana as soon as possible because this is going to be a place one day where people are going to, you know, race to. You understand? And um, I saw that. But I think for me, it was um, having people like, such as like my, you know, like my grandmother being in the UK, like, I felt like I had to have one foot in the UK because I wanted to keep an eye on her and I couldn't go all out in Ghana. So it came from visiting more regularly, you know, from, you know, my dad and observing him and having conversations with him. And then my eyes being opened more and more to the potential of what, of what Ghana offers. That's interesting. It's like a lot of, um, a lot of family influence, essentially, a lot of family ties. With your, can you talk a bit about what your, um, the roles each of your parents has played and also your grandmother, actually? Um, what the dynamic was like, that family dynamic for yourself and the roles that they each, each individually played in your upbringing. Yeah. Oh, powerful. Um, so my grandmother, wow. I mean, she paid, she, she played a very, very big role, um, especially, you know, in my earlier years in life. So, 
um, when I was born, basically, I think my mother at that time, um, she, um, she, she could only like afford to kind of like, um, look after me for about a year. Um, so after about the first year, like, um, my mother gave me to my grandmother to take to Ghana for a year or two, whatever. Um, and, and she said to her, like, look, um, I need time to save, make some money and make time for myself please take my son you know to Ghana for a year or so and then um I'll come and get him in a year or so and so she from the from the beginning was there she helped to kind of like raise me if you will um because in my early in my earlier years my dad wasn't really around um but then of course like things changed so um as the years went on like she just continued to stay in the picture and then she was living in Ghana I believe at the time or she was in the verge of relocating but anyway she ended up kind of permanently relocating to London just to help my mum look after me and to also look after some of my my other cousins as well who were being raised you know at that time in a similar reason so you know I was able to bond with her as the years went on with my mother as well like I think you know she worked really hard and she really you know taught me what hard work is all about just seeing her working really really hard my dad too used to work really really hard and you know they would they would put boundaries and barriers around me that would stop me from you know doing wild things doing crazy things you know that and and would encourage me to do things like reading and you know my mum would take me to piano lessons or she'll take me to um what what is it like she'll take me to the museum or she'll take me to encourage me to go to do piano lessons and drum lessons whatever it is right like she's that kind of person that wants to you know push me to kind of developing my skill sets and my father was like you know more so like pushing me towards look these are the careers that you can do these are the things that you can do you know etc etc so yeah i mean they all played a powerful role in, in my life nice really good all right let's talk the beginnings of the sounds of a crow yeah so you've started off um started off with the networking events and then the podcasts came from there so with those networking events it's a it's a very entrepreneurial thing to do was that your first experience in entrepreneurship um no it wasn't actually um it wasn't i mean i didn't even see it as an entrepreneurial thing i, I saw it more as just a, a way of bringing people together you could say entrepreneurial because of course the end i did want to make a bit of money out of it but for me if i was able to break even and bring people together meet new connections and, and make people happy i mean myself and enjoy you know being around that energy and around those people it was still a win for me you know i just in i just get a buzz or out of networking it's something that i've done for many 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 years i go out of my way to go to networking events <laughs> there was even an event yesterday you know um at one of these hotels that i wanted to go i wanted to go to so bad but because there's this goals targets that i need to hit this month in terms of like not um in terms of not like my career but like other stuff that i'm working on and i also needed to recharge because i've been so busy this month so i said no stick to stick to your guns so um yeah like the, the the networking event in terms of like how that came along like um you know I, I like i just told you like i always have this passion for networking um so basically one day um i decided that look I realized that during the Christmas period, there's so many events like this. There's enough events for partying and all this kind of stuff in Ghana and Accra. But there isn't much when it comes to like business and networking and, prof and you know, pro professional, being professional and stuff like that. So I thought, look, let me just start a networking event where, you know, the, the diaspora. Because you know, I wanted to take advantage of people all over the world coming 
to one country and just meet. It's like, it's like a global network in a party, essentially, right? You know, um, without us even knowing it. So I thought, let me try and bring all these faces in one room and just see what happens. You know, understand? So, um, of course, luckily for me, um, I've got a family member that owns, you know, some, you know, some some nice bit of real estate in, in the city in the prime location. So I was able to kind of like get a good rate and hire like a little hall and get people together. Um, so I run it for two years. Um, so it was called Diaspora Connect. So I think the first one I did in twenty eighteen, um, man. I was excited. Eventbrite, oh, sold out, free, sold out, sold out. Yeah, because they had to pay at the door, right? Once I got there, five people turned up because <laughs> it was like hundred people. Because it was like a hundred tickets. So that's what five people. Turned up. And this was when I started to learn about events and how events worked. You know, you know. And then, anyway, it was just basically friends that came. Anyway, we just had a good time. Secondly, I was like, cool. I'm gonna learn from this. Let me try and get people to pay in advance and. Let me send out extra reminders, automated sequence reminders, all of this up marketing software to, you know, try and remind people, text, etc. right? Whatever I can do, right? This was a lot better. 25 to 30 people came and it was a success in my eyes. You know, it, even though it wasn't like 50 to 100 people, like 25 people came. And I think I, it, it just broke even as well. So I was perfect. Like it literally paid for the event. You know, the, the, the money that came, you know, from the event as well. I even had my first two guests from that event as well, which is great. And my first ever, my first ever guest, Bontui Anyete, he is, he was in that room as well. And shout out to him. You know, he's, he's behind, he's the man behind some, well, some really good books and some famous TV shows in Ghana, you know, so shout out to him, you know, British Ghanaian, another British Ghanaian like us, you know, he, he relocated to Ghana in 2015, you know, so he's been on this for quite some time. But anyway, after that, I realized that, look, this, this networking thing is once a year. I need more. Like I, I can't, that's not sustainable. I can't just wait a whole year just to bring people together. I want to be able to network with people on a regular basis. And then I, and then I also, um, I remember that my friend always used to tell me like, Asian, when you're back at university, like you're really good at you at radio, you should, you should continue to do radio. And I'm thinking, nah, it doesn't really make money and stuff like that. Um, this is my best friend that we used to host, um, in the mix, um, radio show with, um, yeah. So we, we did it for like maybe two years at university, but anyway, I was like, I had this random idea to just start a podcast and I realized, look, um, there isn't a much on the market when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to Ghana, when you go on YouTube, there's so much content in relation to Ghana, right? Entrepreneurship, Ghana business, Ghana entrepreneurship, um, Ghana real estate, whatever tech, you name it, right? When it comes to podcasts, there's hardly anything. Um, there's the all episode here and there, but more importantly, there's no dedicated podcast that focuses on entrepreneurship, business, and, and, uh, and the creative sector in Ghana, right? No one, none. So I thought, you know what? Let me fill in that gap. Let me fill in that gap and, and, and start that podcast. That's really cool. And no, I guess the very natural um, caveat from here would be to talk about a podcast, but I want to very quickly backtrack and ask about yourself. So what's interesting is how you talk about, you've been very shy growing up and then you go through, you know, a few years later, now you're hosting a radio show at university. <laughs> Your network, you got like a networking bug, networking all the time, sign up networking events. And that's, that's, I think that's quite a, it's, um, you're really putting yourself out there when you're starting up networking events and you got people you, you don't know and all of that kind of thing. There's one thing going, attending them, then it's like doing it yourself. And all of these things, these are like things that you would probably associate with someone that's traditionally a lot more extrovert. What 
changed for you? Yeah, I think again for me, it's I think it's I think I would owe it. I would give a lot of credit to my career, to my career, and also mentorship. Like I, 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 I had a few people that I could look up to. Whether it's, I mean, there were a few in person, but also online. Like I started to get into podcasts. I started to listen to loads and loads of podcasts. Let's say 2016 onwards, right? I started to kind of like listen to, I started to binge on content and podcasts, whether it's Patrick Bet David or Valuetainment, people like that, or the Tony Robbins podcast, you know, Apple podcast as well. People like that, Gary Vaynerchuk, that's when I first heard about him around 2016. So I started to binge on all these people and those people started to change my mindset in a positive way. But also I had, I had people who are entrepreneurs, like my, some of my best friends, whatever, who were doing really good things. And I used to observe and watch them. And I used to take notes from them. And then also my job as well, like my job really just kind of, um, really kind of like helped me to get out of my shell as well. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. Um, so basically one of, one of the roles I did, I used to work in an e-commerce agency. So I used to be a product manager and you literally, there'll be an, a new app launching almost every single week that we'll have to get out to the market. So not only am I helping to, um, you know, put the documentation and the, um, the features for the app, right? I'm also selling it to the, to the, to online sellers. I'm selling it to the market and I'm marketing it. I'm doing everything because this agency wasn't massive, but you know, we had like, you know, only a few people, so I had to wear many hats. So. I was growing in confidence from, you know, from, you know, doing all of those different things, running meetups as well. And then this was the defining moment when, um, one of the companies that we worked with, like an e-commerce software company, right. That we made apps for, they asked me to speak. They asked me to speak in Birmingham in the Vox, in the Vox arena, which is massive, right? This place, this arena can fit, I think thousands of people, I think. So when I, when I heard that, I was like, yo, like, that's crazy. So, um, anyway, I did it. And then uh, it went pretty well. It's, it's even on YouTube. I, I can send you a link later. And then when I shared it on LinkedIn, I'll never forget this. Like my friends was like, send me was, was like sending, sending, apparently my friends were sending it to each other. And I got a message in Asian, like, I've never seen you like this. You've, you've come out your shell. Like you you're like a completely different Asian that you were at university. Um, so yeah, man, I do owe it to the people around me, like, you know, online mentors, offline mentors and, you know, just the uh, things I've gone through. That's really cool. And then it's, it's um, a very good example of why it's important to surround yourself with the right sort of people and um, taking the right sort of content as well. Good, positive, you know, media and content. There's so much nonsense and negativity out there that is so important to offset all of that with some goodness, you know, and bring in. Uh, so that's really good. Now, thanks for sharing that. All right. So let's talk Sound of a Cryo. Uh, can you talk about the evolution of the podcast from season one? I know you're currently working on season four when this comes out. I don't know if season four will be out or not by then, but let's talk about the evolution of the podcast from season one to season four. Absolutely. Before I get into that, Tevin, I just want to quickly mention that to, once, what, to get to the Sound of a Crowd podcast, um, before the networking event, it was actually LondonToAcrowd.com. So my original idea was LondonToAcrowd.com, like a, a blog, like a like a lifestyle travel blog um, for the diaspora that they could use as a resource anytime they went to Ghana. So anything that they wanted to do, buy, sell real estate, travel, places to eat, you know, taxis, etc. Like it was meant to be like a, like a super guide. That project failed. 
but I wanted to capitalize on the whole London to Accra keyword and Google. So I bought the domain and when the website launched, it didn't really pop off. So then that then pivoted to the networking event. And then when the networking event wasn't enough, it then pivoted to the podcast. So back to you, I just wanted to just mention that it's, it's kind of, it's taken a while to get to that stage. So in terms of the podcast, in terms of the evolution, wow. So in terms of the evolution, so um, season one was the, uh, was the only season where it's just audio only. So for me, um, this was completely new for me. I mean, I did have radio experience. Um, I did have a bit of podcast experience, but it was, I was still quite raw, right? Um, for me, it was, it was just a matter of, you know, running around, you know, messaging people, my, my existing network, trying to get interviews and trying to get referrals of people. Um, so I remember season one, it was just audio, no structure. So I remember, you know, when I went to Ghana, I shot my first ever episode in Ghana you know, um, Bantui Anyate, and then my second episode was with my cousin. He's big into media and entertainment. And then um, when I came back to the UK, that's when I finished, did more episodes and the lockdown happened and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was a very interesting experience because um, it was quite funny because as soon as I would interview one person, I'll get, out, I'll get the interview out as soon as possible. And then I'll have to try and find somebody else as quickly as possible so I can get another episode out in, in time for the following week. So season one was great. Like it was a little bit of uh, frantic. It was a little bit frantic because um, there was not much of a structure or schedule. It was just get a good, get a guest as quickly as you can, whether you're a friend of a friend, or whatever, and just interview them and get the content out. So it was kind of like scattergun approach um, when, it, when I look back, but I did really remember having some really good conversations. So we had people like um, Queen Koswia. So she was a lady that I met. She's an American lady that I met um, who used to be in the army, whatever, out in, in Ghana. I met her out in Ghana and, and she had this uh, Facebook page called, um, I think it's called black who tainment or something like that and it had a million followers on facebook so i interviewed her about that and um her experiences of garden and she told me and then she it was, a, it was so funny like i remember the beginning of the um the, the the podcast episode like the snippet um she's talking about almost getting shot and stuff like that in around cape coast or something like that so i think season one for me was like i think it was some of the funniest fun was one of the funniest and one of the most memorable seasons like um because you you have people like that come on the show and you have people like um Kirsty Kirsty Quateng who went and who went to speak on TEDx. She had the, the Nana project to um the, the Nana project, which is all about documenting you know your ancestors in Ghana, so that you know when they pass, you have something to, to, to look back to. Similar to what you're doing, Tevin. I think we had this conversation before. Um, so you had very very interesting characters on there, um, but no no real structure. Um, and then season two was more of a okay cool. Um, we've learned from season one in, in, in the sense that we need to start to have some structure in terms of guests. So I decided that I'm going to, I'm going to, um, pre, I'm going to pre-record and then once I've got enough episodes in the bank, then I'm going to start releasing episodes week after week after week. Um, and then I also decided, look, video, video was starting to, 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 to get more popular, especially in person. So I decided, look, let me start recording videos. So I used to use, um, a couple of studios, one in Wembley and then one in, um, I think it was just the one in Wembley that I only used. Um, and then I think lockdown happened again, so I couldn't go back there essentially. So with season two, um, there was more structure added to the game. 
Um, the guests got a lot better as well. Like we had Mika, Mika Abraham. She's she's really good, like Ghanaian creative. We had Kwame Christian, who has the number one negotiation podcast in the world. He gets millions of downloads. Yeah, very massive guy. Millions of downloads every year. Um, not millions of downloads. I think I, I, I don't know how often, but anyway, he gets he's got like millions of downloads of podcasts currently at the moment. And he just signed a deal with LinkedIn. So he's LinkedIn actually ha he basically had bought his podcast or something. So it's really, really good. And he's like an Amazon bestseller. Uh, we had people like um, Kwesi Afum. We had Michael Donkor, who were really good in the property and, and finance game. Um, really good Ghanaians. And then we had people like even um, Kevin Brewton, who's like a five times Hollywood, um, five times kickbox, world, world kick, kickboxing world champion, Hollywood actor and an artist and author. Um, that story, I'll never forget that story because I was looking for a season two finale guest. And what happened was um, I got a random email from Kevin and this guy called Kevin. And when I'm reading the email, it says, hey, Adrian, my name is Kevin. Um, I somehow stumbled upon your podcast. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ex. I do this. I do this. I do this. I do this, do this. Um, I live in LA. I used to live in England cause I was born in England. My mother is Ghanaian, but my father, sorry, my mother is British, is English, but my, my father is Ghanaian. I can, I, for years I've been trying to find my father. I could never find my father. Bear in mind, this man's in this bit in about his fifties or something or forties or fifties. I want to come on your show and tell my story about everything that I've done in my career. And my mouth just dropped. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, and this is what the, what I started the show for. Like I wanted to, it to be a platform for Ghanaian entrepreneurs and, and creatives. And I wanted to leave people with meaningful takeaways. Um, so season two really just got, it took season one to a whole new level. And I was attracting more people. People were getting more aware. And I think the, the, the quality of guests was improving season three was i think it just went to a whole nother level like if you, if you thought season two was good season three just went to a whole nother level so i decided look we're going all out no more just me i started to get a team together so i got so i got a producer i got an editor i got a videographer i got a studio together I got a social media manager whatever so i'll put the team together this is the first time in season three we had a team so we had the team and then also we had, you know, in-person video. So this is the first season where every single episode was in-person video, no virtuals, no nothing. We didn't have COVID interrupting anything. And not only did we have in-person video, we had different camera angles. Um, so we wanted to really, you know, um, compete with the likes of people like the Diary CEO and people like that with Joe Rogan, whatever, where the quality is just top notch. And it's around the same time, YouTube made announcements that they're investing more into the podcast, pop in, in, in they're investing more into podcasts. So um, what's what you're going to see is that in YouTube is soon going to be um, a bit more optimized towards podcasts, especially for video. Um, so I wanted to capitalize on that as well. Um, yeah, so season three was 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 a, a whole nother level in terms of production, and I had a team around me. And also, this was the first season where I did episodes not only in person in London but also in person in Ghana. And I remember going on Instagram and telling telling the listeners, "Hey, look, we're flying to Ghana, and we're gonna finish the season there." And we did that, and we finished it well. Our season finale with Darren Bond, once the trailer dropped in social media, hundred thousand views never 
like that was it like that just took us to a whole nother level our instagram following went through the roof subscribers went through the roof like everything that was the that was the the moment that i would say that changed everything so yeah season three is a it, it's a defining moment for me that's great and what's the vision with season four? Oh, season four so season four is it's interesting so people were like how are you gonna you know beat season three so for me uh, it's now that it's more of taking a step back. So recently I've, I had some meetings with a team and we just wanted to take a step back and see, look, how can we improve things and make things better? So with season four, you're, you're going to see a bit more content that's more tailored to what the people want. And you're, you're going to see shorter bursts of content, um, which is more focused on quality rather than quantity. So with season three, season two, season one, I think the average season was about maybe 15 episodes. So you, but with season four, you're going to see about eight episodes. The reason why, reason being is that we want to focus on the quality. And also, we also want to focus on breaking out um, the content into different segments. So in season three, um, we introduced a new segment called um, Debates. Um, we're going to find a way to rename it. But anyway, um, in the in debates, we, we we discussed trending topics or current affairs relating to Ghana that affected a lot of people. So um, there was one episode called, called Uber Taxi Bolt Madness, where we're, where we're discussing, you know, Ubers, everyone's stories of taking Ubers and catching taxis. Such a really fun episode. I recommend you guys to check it out if, if, you, if you can relate. We had one called The Great Diaspora Migration. You know, of course, over the past few months, maybe a couple of years, you've heard people like Stevie Wonder relocate to Ghana, Nas, the rapper, saying he's going to move to Ghana. Everyone's saying they're going to move to Ghana. So we discussed why we're going to, um, why this is all happening. So we got into that. And then we had episodes like, um, what, what other stuff do we have? Uh, we had episodes like, so we had Uber taxis, we had the Great Dasper Migration, and then we had episodes such Oh my God, I've gone blank. But anyway, you guys are going to go check it out. Um, I'm not going to take too much time in your podcast. Um, so yeah, that's the plan of season four. More quality, less less quantity, brand new podcast segments, breaking out the content that people liked into different segments and also focusing more on the type of content that people wanted. So when we looked at the analytics, Tevin, um, we realized that the most popular content was based around real estate, tech, and you know living moving or being successful in ghana those are the top three content um types that got the most views and had the most watch time as well watch time and listen time was those three types of segments so um we're now basing it around you know that so so a lot of exciting stuff and there's going to be a new series as well a brand new series um i'm not going to share it right now maybe i should i don't know but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to actually, what I'll say, so we're going to have a brand new series called Walk and Talk. This has never been done before. Um, so basically this is going to be me walking and talking um, to different entrepreneurs and creators in Ghana and talking, interviewing them whilst they're, they're showing us their projects. So for example, I have a developer who's building, I think it's a hundred units in Tema or in Ghana. And he's into he's we've been we've been in Zoom calls a few times. We've been emailing back and forth, saying, "Hey, Adrian, look, November, let's make it happen." So I'm gonna take a camera crew, drones, everything. We're gonna have the whole, you know, the whole shebang, and I'm gonna be interviewing them while we're walking around. So a little bit stepping into the YouTube territory a little bit, but I'm gonna try and make it podcasty as much as I can. So trying to bring some new things and try and take things to a whole nother level.
That's it. That's really cool. That's interesting. I saw your season three recap, The Walking Talk, right? Was, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. That's really cool. What would you say has been, what would you say has been your most memorable conversation you've had on your podcast? And why has that been? Man, most memorable conversation. Wow. Man, that's a hard one. I mean, it's a hard one. It's a hard one, but there's there's just so many there, there's so many there's so many great moments that's a great question honestly that is a great question um i think the i think the guy from Hoddy, i think the the guy from la was definitely memorable because it was a very emotional moment because he launched a new book um kevin brewerton um the, the journey of an african champion something like that and he, he emailed me a copy of the book as well so we were talking about like his up upbringing and you know the things that he achieved and the people he had met and the things he accomplished and then people were calling in you know people were calling in just to say hey kevin look congratulations like you've done such a great job you know congratulations on the book you were amazing and blah de, blah de, blah um that was definitely a defining moment for me because like i was like you know the guy that he found out of nowhere he found my podcast out of nowhere and then for him to kind of like, and then for that to be near the time when his book release is about to come out, like it can only be fate, man. It's going to be fate. And then when I, when, when, when I saw that, it was like, yo, like, yeah, I have to keep going because there's just so many testimonies and stories that I, I could share. There's so many, even yesterday, no, even a couple of days ago, I get a message saying that, um, I think a guy in America, um, watched the episode, one of the episodes in season three, um, with living Ghana and because of that I think they're, 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 they're coming over to buy some property or something like that and I was like whoa this is insane this is insane like my podcast is actually you know, affecting people and I'm sure your podcast is, is definitely going to change and impact a lot of people Tevin oh thank you thank you very much all right uh, what's next for the sound of a crow yeah so in terms of ne what's next for the sound of cross so of course you know season four season four is on the way so we're doing season four. That's all well and good. But also, we're also going to be shooting the debate series um, in September, which is great. So um, I probably didn't mention this before. So the debate series, I actually have co-hosts. So it's um, it's a few people from young Ghanaian young Ghani professionals. This is a Ghanaian community aged between um, age 18 to 30 or 40, I believe, um, who are based in the UK. I think maybe 400 people strong. And um, I have um, friends from the community who I'm a regular co-host. So we're, we're going to be, you know, dis discussing some more trending topics and current affairs based around Ghana. Um, so that's going to be sh that's going to be shot in September. Season four is scheduled to be launched early October. I start recording it this week. Also, um, we also I'll be speaking at an event next week as well in Covent Garden, um, hosted by Ghanaian Londoners and the Move to Ghana Club, which is great. Um, so the sound of a crowd also we're going to be looking at um, on that note, we're going to be looking at maybe doing some live events soon. Um, maybe not this year, but next year we'd like to do some kind of summit. So whether it's in person or virtual and essentially bring all of the guests that we've had in the show in the past to kind of teach different things, if that makes sense. And then once we hit certain milestones, this is a big one. Once we hit a certain milestone on, on some of the platforms, um, we've had a lot of um, um, demand for this. 
we're going to launch some type of mentorship and um, job program as well to help people in, in Ghana and you know and even outside of Ghana to to get you know matched to, to jobs and things like that and also get a bit of mentoring from people like myself in terms of what they want to do in terms of entrepreneurship in the creative space and we've got so much other stuff in the pipeline but yeah I mean that's definitely some things we have coming up that's really cool that's really cool let's um caveat to talk about Ghana more generally um for entrepreneurs in particular entrepreneurs and creators actually so your, your people kind of people you're interviewing people in a diaspora based in the UK or US or wherever it is wanting to move back to Ghana and wanting to start some kind of an entrepreneurial endeavor what advice would you give to someone like that is the, is the lands how different is the landscape and do they approach things differently absolutely so definitely approach things differently um what I'll definitely say is if someone is outside the UK and you want to maybe re relocate, I mean, live, live in Ghana and maybe have some kind of business. I mean, I'll speak to someone this week um, and they said they want to start. They're, they're, they're not even a Ghanaian, they're Nigerian and they, they're British Nigerian and they want to start a, a, a rice agriculture business. You understand? And I, and I told them, look, come to come to the event next week come to the event i'm speaking at next week because you're going to be surrounded by you know people from the um the ghana high commission trade and investment you know stuff like that and there's a lot of people in the room who's going to help you so first and foremost i'd say they should definitely come to ghana okay because if you definitely want to be successful in doing business in ghana you have to be able to spend a lot of time in ghana and understand how the country works how the culture works and you definitely need to get that culture shock out of your system so that you'll be able to adapt successfully um, what I'll definitely say is come and experience it in holiday season, high season, also experience it in low season. You're going to see a completely different Ghana after after the, the storm has gone, after the party has gone, after everyone's gone back to their various countries. Come, come Ghana off season. For example, well, as soon as it hit about mid-January, I was in Ghana for a few months. As soon as it hit mid-January, you see the traffic dying down. You see a lot less of the diaspora around and you see the country function in a slightly different way. So definitely I would, I would encourage the person spend a good amount of time in, if you work remotely, take advantage, come work remotely in Ghana. You know, there's lots of, um, um, you know, um, very nice cafes you can work from, you know, there's very, lots of, uh, co-working spaces that I could even recommend. They can reach out to me, etc. You can work from, there's so many things you can do, right? Um, but yeah, come live, stay in Ghana for maybe a few months if you can, a few weeks you can, and experience Ghana on off season, not just on the on season. And just observe, just take in the country, observe, take in the country, see what problems you think exist and see what value and what, what your strengths are and see where you can feel that you can add something to the market that can generate some income. And that's definitely a strong start, um, starting point for that person. Sure, sure. That's very good advice as well. Outside of the, the partying that a lot of people go to Ghana for around Christmas time, what else is there for people visiting Ghana to experience or to do? What should people be doing when they go to Ghana? <laughs> I mean, there's so much. I mean, it really depends. I mean, what I mean, do you want to do you want to do some tourism? I mean, th th there's so much to do. You know, not uh, you know. Ironically, my podcast is called The Sound of a Crab, but you know, it's just a name at the end of the day. So, I mean, I will encourage people to go outside of crowd and travel. You know, like you know, th there's so much you can do. I mean, not just the hotels and resorts. I mean, there's like there's so many attractions that you can do. Like there's like a mini safari. There's there's zoos. There's uh um what is there i mean there's the there's the um there's like there's like a high high obstacle course you can do like some people think these some people even didn't realize these things even exist you know you can go play golf you can you can go on the boat cruise you can go swimming you can go to the beach you can 
there's different experiences you can do there's just so much you can do so you can, you can do tourism you know be a tourist in, in in ghana definitely go around and see things um you can there's lots of networking events you can go and network with people um there's um there's tech hubs as well like there's lots of events and competitions and stuff you can go and watch them and observe and meet people that way as well so yeah i mean there's just so much it just depends on that particular person yeah yeah for sure i think um uh like what's what's really good about what you and your team are doing sound of a car and all the work around it is that you challenge those kind of um those good people might perceive ghana or maybe even africa as a whole to be quite one-dimensional so you might perceive ghana um you can come here you can uh, maybe beach maybe party and then that that's it and then that's it then we'll go back home uh but it's a normal functioning country the same way the uk is and it's gonna have a load of different inputs in, in it as well um same way here you can go and i don't know play golf or do whatever you can do the same thing back home as well so um and it's really good because i feel like by you guys having the conversations you're having it's sort of like you're bridging that gap between the diaspora and then back home in ghana as well and letting people see oh right it's it's actually it's a normal place <laughs> there's there's normal things to do you can live a normal life and do normal things you, you can yeah I mean, and that's what the podcast is really about, really. Like, we just want to showcase global Ghanaian excellence, whether it's native Ghanaians and or diasporan Ghanaians. You just, we just, we just want to showcase Ghanaian excellence. And uh, I, I would say, you know, what I'll say there's there's another great moment that I had when I was in Ghana. So, um, I went to an event in Christmas Christmas period in December 21 called Startups in Ghana. So you have people like remotely who came on my, my podcast shout out to samuel brooksworth you know who went an apprentice um and then you had um you know other people like consume shop who pitched so there's so there's a startup called consume shop who pitched at um startups in ghana um to the likes of samuel samuel brooksworth and julian who runs um zuberry and um i don't know how well i don't know how it went down with them but anyway um like randomly got an email from them saying hey look i don't know how they found out about the show but hey look we want to come on your show and i was like great so these are these diasporan ghanaians coming to live in ghana they lived in germany america you name it and they take their savings and they started this uh um 60 minute delivery um grocery startup in ghana where wherever you are in the crowd they'll guarantee that they'll deliver your groceries to you within 60 minutes and this is an up-and-coming sector right now in ghana it's the um the delivery sector so you know i mean the on-demand delivery or food or takeaway is really really ramping up in ghana like it, it's unbelievable the areas that you can get foods or take away your groceries delivered to in in accra no matter how bad the roads are or where or how remote you live in accra it's absolutely amazing honestly um yeah yeah and uh i one one thing i wanted to say is that you were talking about how um the, the bridge is definitely being gapped it really is and i think that's why we're starting to see a lot of people move over to ghana especially america especially americans too because you start to see that the lifestyle start to you know um level up with the west so you know you know you can get 4g out there soon you're going to be able to get 5g you know we have you got shopping malls out there you got you got the the cinemas out there sometimes you can even get films out in the cinemas in ghana before it even comes out in the uk because they're following the american um, calendar um you, you you can go to you can you can you can go to your club you can go swimming you can go to the clubs you can have super fast internet you can get really nice houses you can work remotely there's just so much that that just makes you think and the restaurants as well there's so much that you do here in the, in the uk that is like all or the us or canada that you can easily do in Ghana 
And if you don't know that you can do in Ghana, you can ask someone. It's definitely possible. You know, does this exist in Ghana? Does that exist in Ghana? Ask someone. I can almost guarantee you it exists. It may just may not just be marketed well. That particular thing or facility that you're looking for. That's great. All right, let's um, move on a bit. I've got a couple questions, a bit more reflective about you as a person that I'd like to delve into. First things first. So what's been the most defining moment of your life so far and why? Oof. I think, yeah, I've definitely, I'll definitely say um, becoming a Christian. Becoming a Christian definitely has become a defining moment of my life um, because um, this was at university. So basically, I had encountered God in university in 2010. And the Asian before I met Christ and the Asian after I had encountered with God, completely different than Adrian. I think that's when I started to tap into my potential more. There was something about the transformation that took place within my life, inside and out, that it just revolutionized my life. And it started from there. It really started from there. I'll say that Adrian before um, that was a Christian and was very people pleasing, was very um, naive, um, was very vulnerable, um, was very um, reckless. And then the Adrian after was just you know, completely, just a complete 180, just just the opposite of all, all of those words I just mentioned. And those those um, changes has helped me in my personal life, my, my career and, and business pursuits and relationships, you know, just the print, just like the Christian principles and the mindset and the thinking and just the way you, just the lifestyle and the way you go about things, like you're ju just a whole lot more different. You know, so that definitely is the final moment. Without a shadow of a doubt, that definitely is. And there's other ones as well, but then that definitely is the one that I can never say um, to say no to in terms of that being the most defining moment. Great, perfect. All right, next question. What has life taught you so far? Oh, what has life taught you recently, I should say, actually? So, yeah, so this, is, this has been a recurring theme this year for me. So life's taught me recently that um, you, 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 so you reap what you sow and the power of compound impact, the power of compound interest and impact. So what I've realized is that, so the, I'll give you an example. So what I've realized is that, um, whether it's in the gym, so whether it's working in the gym, I've seen the changes in terms of just being consistent with going to the gym, like whatever, right? How, how, however, how many times a week you want to go to the gym and then just sticking at it. And you may not see the results from, from day 10, but I guarantee you keep going day 31, you're going to see a result if you stuck at it. And if you didn't stick at it consistently between day 10 and day 31, you may miss that, that little change that, that you probably see at day 31 that you didn't get before. So that's definitely another one. I'll, I'll definitely say like, like everything just compounds, like, especially this podcast as well. Like the way I used to go after guests, right in season one season one, I used to go after guests like crazy and one thing I tell people is that because I do teach podcasting as well is that what will happen is that after, and this is even in business as well right once you get to that year two year three moment you've been putting in so much work so much work so much work so much and then you know the, the flywheel is spinning this way what starts to happen is that it gets to a certain point where it starts to spin the other way so you know, rather than all the, rather than you putting all the input, all the effort into something, it starts to come back the other way. So before I'm chasing guests, now they're chasing me. 
I even had someone, maybe I've even had some guests that I've turned down. I'm saying, no, look, I'm, I'm too busy or I'm going to do this later. You understand? Or not, not, not right now, or please wait. We're going to launch this new series soon. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely compound the power of compound impact and what you sow, you definitely reap, you know? Great. Great. Thank you. What gets you excited about life? <sighs> I think it's the the um the um, the unpredictableness of it. You understand the unpredictableness about about life. Like, you could just wake up and then something that you never expect just just happens. Just like that. Just like you wake up, you switch and you go on your phone. Breaking news: This has happened. Like, whoa! Never expected that. And then maybe you could maybe you could maybe it could be something that would impact you impactly positively. Maybe it could be even negatively, but. I think it's always the, the is always the kind of curiosity of what's going to happen next. I have no idea what's going to happen, and some people are curious to see where they want to get. And you know, I'm not really I'm not really for people going to you know going to try and you know see fortune tellers or predict their future or anything like that. I just want things to happen. Just just let life happen and just enjoy you know life and let it happen to you. And you know, at, at the same time, do your best so that whatever happens you know when it happens hopefully you can be in the best possible position to take full advantage that's great that's great and uh, yeah definitely agree with that unpredictability of life thing as well um yeah makes life a bit more exciting doesn't it i think keeps you on your toes as well all right so last question what does the next chapter in your personal story look like <laughs> um I think after what I just said earlier, um, <laughs> we nobody knows really. Nobody knows. Maybe I don't know. Maybe marriage. Maybe relocating to Ghana, which is what I'm working on. Um, I think those two things are definitely on the cards. Um, and then, yeah, business-wise, maybe leaving full-time work. You know, as well. I think those are those are those are a few things that are definitely on the cards for me. So. In terms of what I've got plans, it's those things. But at the end of the day, man, only God knows. Only God knows. <laughs> that's it. That's great. And a nice way to wrap up. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Really enjoyed our conversation as well. So much to take away. So, so good, man. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, for people who want to know where to find you, where to keep up to date with the sound of a car as well, how can they best do that? And uh, if you've got any final words as well, you can um, you can share them now as well. Well, thank you very much, Tevins. I've really enjoyed this conversation too. And, you know, can keep going with a thousand voices. I don't know how many more voices you have left to interview. I don't know if it's 950 or something now, but but but, but keep going. This is a great project and I'm excited to, to see what happens once you get to episode 100 and, of course, that big thousand. Um, so in terms of the Sound of Crowd podcast, again, just, just go in, go in Google, put in the Sound of Crowd podcast. Um, you know, you, we got a website, you know, we're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to, to podcast platforms as well. Um, we will be going to TikTok by the end of the month. You know, I've been told to go on TikTok, so apparently I'm going to do that. Um, it's going to be exciting to experiment with that as well because you have so much short-form content. Short-form content is really hot these days, isn't it? Um, in terms of myself, Adrian Daniels, um, I'll be launching my own personal website soon. But um, for now, I'd say the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Just put in Adrian Daniels. Um, you can connect me on Instagram as well, Adrian Daniels, and uh, Twitter, Adrian Daniels. Cool, great. 
All right. So thank you once again for coming to the podcast. Very, very good. And very, um, really enjoyed our conversation. So much to take away. Um, but that's that for now, people. So that was Adrian Daniels, the founder of The Sound of Accra. This is 1000 Voices. And for now, we're out. Peace. And that's voice number 27, done and dusted. We do hope that you've extracted some value from this conversation. It's always great to hear back from the community on what some of your key takeaways were from this episode and what you think about 1000 Voices in general. If you haven't already, please do leave us a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast on, just letting us know what you thought about this and or a comment on our social media pages or whichever platform you listen to this podcast on right now. The engagement really, really does help in trying to amplify the inspirational voices of these people that we have in the podcast. As always, the next episode will be out next week, Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed already so you don't miss out on anything. And follow us on our social media pages where we'll keep you up to date with everything to do with 1000 Voices. But that's that for now. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, people, this is 1000 Voices and we're out.